All right, it's a new year. How many of you made a pledge in the new year to eat healthier? Want to know it? After all the decadence of the last couple of months, uh, I bet a lot of you have. And that's why in our house, in our house, one of our best friends is our Blendtec blender. Now, I know there are some Vitamix blender people out there, and don't hate, don't be smug. Blendtec's a, a great blender. Yeah, shh. Uh, Blendtec's a great blender, and uh, we love our Blendtec blender in our house because, um, because we love smoothies. The kids love smoothies. They're delicious. Um, I love smoothies as a parent because I can sneak in things to their smoothies that they would never consent to eat normally, right? You can just kind of slip that in there, and sometimes they're none the wiser, although they're catching on to me because they see what I put in my smoothies, and they can't believe it, although it ends up being pretty good. One of my favorite smoothies, personally, is, uh, you know, banana. You have to have banana in a smoothie. Kale. It's a nice leafy kale. Um, coconut oil. It's a superfood. Lots of great stuff in coconut oil. Um, some, some flax seed. Flax seed, high in omegas. Good for you. Um, some red beet. It's actually pretty good, right? And then, um, and lastly, blueberries. And so I, I put that all in the blender and I make that. And my kids are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you drink that. In fact, when I tell them something's good and they should try it, you know, we're out at a restaurant, I'm like, oh, it's good, you should try it. They're like, yeah, this is from the guy who puts salad in his smoothies. Um, so uh, so I, I don't know that I'm fully credible here. But, but as I think about this, I kind of feel like this is a great metaphor of life. This is sort of what life is like. You, you have all of the things in life that you need or are important to you or matter to you, and you've just got this one container called life, and you just got to find a way to make it all work. So, so um, you know, I start off maybe with, with my faith, and uh, I, I put that in there first, and then my work's really important to me. I love my work, and, and so, uh, you know, you add, in, you add in your work, your vocation, you, you kind of, you know, put all that stuff in there. Um, and then I think about my relationships, you know, relationships matter a lot to me. You hear me talking about that a lot. I think they're really important for life. And so uh, you add that in, uh, your relationships. Um, then, I've got, then I've got, you know, like my dreams and my goals and my ambitions. And so, you know, add some of that in there. Um, add some of that in there. I know some of you are thinking right now, if those are your dreams, you need to dream better dreams, right? Um, and, then, and then, you know, beyond my relationships, just my role as a, a husband and father, that's, that just brings a lot of sweetness into my life. It's one of my greatest joys, and uh, I'm so grateful I get to do that. And, you know, you, you just keep going, and you can put all this stuff into your life, um, and then eventually, you just kind of hope that when it all comes together, it's, it's something that you can live with. It's something that is palatable, palatable to you. It's something you can stomach. Let's, let's see how this works. All right, I won't let it go the whole way. But, you know, you end up with something that you're like, okay, maybe I, maybe I can live with that. But then we come to a new year. And uh, what do we do in a new year? We begin to look at our life, we begin to examine our life, and we're like, huh, am I, am I happy with this? Is this really satisfying to me? Do, do I like it? Uh, can, I, can I stomach it for another year? Am I bored with it? And inevitably in a new year, do you know what we start doing? We start adding in a whole bunch of other things. As we look at our life, as we decide we're bored with our life, we don't like the flavor of our life, uh, we, we look at it and we say, you know what? There's, there's more that I need to do. For instance, in the new year, I'm going to be even healthier so let me just add that in there. I'm, I'm going to be even healthier in the new year. Oh, yeah, and, and by the way, you know, in the new year, I want to spend more time uh, just, you know, in quiet, meditating, reflecting, you know, a good devotional book. This is a Max Lucado book. And um, what is today's date? January 8th? What year? Just checking. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, I want to spend more time with God in the morning. So let me, let me get that in there, too. Uh, make sure I get some of that in there. 
Um, you know, I want to be a morning person. You know, I, I, I hear about morning people, how they accomplish more. They actually get paid more. They're more successful. I want to be a morning person, but it's going to take some help for me. So let me add some of, actually, let me just, not bad. Let me add some of this in here so I can be a morning person. And uh, I, I got that. Oh, and then, you know what? Relationships are important to me. And I'd even like to spend more time in my life with the people I love, just hanging out and enjoying life with them. So, you know, maybe some movies and, and, uh, and you know, eat, eat some popcorn and just kind of hang out together. Let me make sure I get that all in there. And then, gosh, this needs to be a year where, where I hear about self-care. I hear about taking care of yourself and just, you know, having some me time. This needs to be a year where I spend some more time on me. So, you know what? I'm finally going to take that vacation on the beach. I'm going. And uh, I'm just going to sit back and relax and invest in me. Cheers. And uh, add some of that into my life right there. And oh yeah, I said beach and it's a corona after all. So don't forget the lime, right? Uh, The lime, throw that in there. And uh, you know, so I go through my whole list of all the things I want to accomplish. I pile that in on top of everything else that I've already worked into my life. And I hope this works. And I, I could let that go a little longer, but I mean, that's a Blendtec blender for you right there. Um, and, and what do I end up with? I end up with something that I technically could drink. Does anyone want to see me do it? Uh, no. Something uh, I could technically drink, um, but would I really want to? You know, my, my wife says the only remedy to this is to add lots of peanut butter. She swears if you put peanut butter in, if enough peanut butter in, it'll make anything drinkable in a smoothie. So uh, you could try that. See, see, part of the problem with life, part of the problem with the new year and the way we approach it is that we tend to become preoccupied with what um, business writer, TED Talk superstar, consultant, a guy by the name of Simon Sinek, uh, we tend to be obsessed with what he calls the what's of life. And so if you think about life, a lot of us think about our life as, you know, one big circle. Um, that's that's a, a bunch of what's. I know it's kind of hard to see. Um, but, but a bunch of what's in life. And so in our circle of what's in our life, we answer this question of what's, what's in my life. And, and so maybe you have, maybe you have your job. Um, maybe you have uh, your, your, you know, your, your roles that you play um, as, you know, whatever those may be. You've got, you've got various responsibilities in your life. Oh my gosh, I need to pick longer words, right? That's a, can I get any longer? Um, you, think about, you think about money and financial responsibilities. You think about people and relationships in your life. And you can go on and we just fill in the circle with all of this stuff. This tends to be the stuff of life. And so when we come to a new year, we are obsessed with the what. But the question I want to ask you today is if you could wipe the slate clean and start over and rebuild a life for yourself... That was the life you wanted, a design-build kind of life. If you could recreate your life, whatever you would put in your what circle here, is is that the life that you would want? Or or maybe better yet, is that over there the life that you want? I'm not saying could you stomach it? Could you live it another day? Could you choke it down? Is that the life that you would really want? See, I wonder what's stopping us from doing that of cleaning the slate and starting over. After all, last week, if you were here, Steve Howard gave us a great message, and he reminded us that, that God has given us a clean slate, not just at a new year, but every day, every moment of life is an opportunity to start over and to, to recreate and to rebuild, and, and that's a gift from God that he gives us by his grace. 
And yet I wonder what's stopping us from just wiping the slate clean with life and saying, hey, so, so if I could do this all over, what would it look like? See, I'll tell you what's stopping us. There are a number of things, actually. The first one's fear. I mean, just, just to wipe the slate clean of my life, do you realize how drastic that would be? Do you realize all of the people who would be disappointed in me if I did that? I mean, there'd be a long line of people lined up. It would mean a pay cut. It would mean downsizing. It would mean, you know, my spouse wouldn't be happy. My, my kids would have to figure out a way to do it on their own, or they'd have to make their own breakfast, or they'd have to, you know, my parents wouldn't be happy about that. See, it's out of fear that so many of us stay stuck in a life that we can't stand living, a life that we can't manage, a life that may be even killing us. Why? Because it's the life we know. What about conformity and the pressure to conform? It's another thing that keeps us from just wiping the slate clean. Man, if I did that, I'd be like the only person, and I'd be going against the grain of everyone else I know, everyone else in life, if I did it differently, and I'm afraid I'd be left out. I mean, Johnny would be the only kid in his whole class who's not in the travel soccer league. You know, the travel soccer league of all of those parents who, who are, are also overstressed, overscheduled, over budget, worn out, know their kids are never going to be professional athletes, and yet we do it anyway. Why? I guess because it's better to be miserable together than happy alone. I guess. I don't want to be the only one. I don't want to be left out. But you know what another big one is? I think it keeps us from wiping the slate clean and starting over is that we have no clear why for our life. Again, let me explain. Simon Sinek, uh, the guy who I was telling you about before, um, he talks about um, how most businesses, most organizations, uh, most people know their what's in life pretty clearly. We know what's expected of us. We know what fills our days. We could make very, very long lists. And then he would say that there are probably fewer people, but, but still, you know, maybe a good amount of people who know their how. Now, your how is, uh, you know, the, the way, the means, the, the style in, in which you accomplish your what. So some of you have hows in your life, not just what's. You're like, you know, in our house, we go to bed at 9 o'clock at night because we know that a great morning starts the night before. That's a how. Or you say, not only do we prioritize our marriage, but, but this is how we do it. We make sure we leave room for a date night every so often because that's the best way we've found to invest in our marriage. That's a how. You know your how. And, and he would argue that, Simon Sinek argues that lots of us know our what's. Uh, most, many of us know our how's. But he would argue that very, very few of us know our why. He calls that the golden circle, in fact. He would say that very few of us know our why. And he says, so what happens is that most of the time in life, we start with our what's, then we move to our how's, and, and if we have anything left over, we try to figure out our why's, but it's sort of like cramming all this stuff together in one place. And he says it doesn't work that way. At least it doesn't work well that way. Instead, he would argue that you have to start with why, and then go out, and your why becomes your filter. He gives an example of Apple Computer. You guys have heard of them? <laughs> right? One of the most successful computer companies, if not the most, of all time. And he would say, what made Apple successful is not that they knew their what, we make computers or iPods, not that we know our how, that we make them prettier and more simple than anyone else with beautiful designs. He says that what makes Apple successful or what has made it successful is that they knew their why. We exist to think different, 
to think differently about every aspect of life, to challenge the status quo, to rethink and reimagine the way people live and communicate and interact and how technology can get involved in that. And because they knew their why, then they could figure out their how, that we're going to make devices that are beautiful and simple and easy to integrate into your life. And, and then we're also not just going to make computers, but iPods and iPads and home entertainment things, and we're going to sell music. Why? Because we know our why. Now, if you want to know more about the business applications of all this, you can read Simon Sinek. You can see a bunch of his free stuff online, videos and such. But today I want to talk to you about this personally. Because again, we know our what. Some of us may know our how. But do you actually know your why? And I'll tell you this. It's not until you know your why. It's not until you know your why that you can live a life that you're actually inspired to live. Not just a life that you can stomach or choke down, but but a life that you're inspired to live, a life of meaning, a life of joy, a life of purpose, a life that, that man, it's not always going to be easy, but, but man, you'll, you'll wake up in the morning and, uh, and, and you, you'll, you'll be excited to live it. See, it's not until you discover your why, the thing that drives you deep down, the thing that, that me, is meaningful to you above everything else, not until you discover what gives you ultimate joy and fulfillment and purpose and meaning in life, it's not until you discover that, that, that you can have the life that you want. Otherwise, you're going to be living like that over there. But when you have the why clear, then you can begin to clean the slate of all of the stuff in life that we just pile in and, and, to, and to intentionally filter everything you do in life through your why. And then when you do that, do you know what you have? Again, you have a life that's not only much more manageable and sane and coherent, but you have a life that you're inspired, you're excited about living when you start with why. We'll come back to this, but I want to share with you today that Jesus actually talked a lot about this, the importance of the why. Long before I was, long before Simon Sinek was was, uh, ever on the planet, and uh, and he does it in a really profound way. In Matthew chapter 6, it's a section of scripture where Jesus begins to list out all of the what's that religious people do. And so he's looking at the people in his first century world, and he's talking about all of the what's of the faith, all of the things that we do. So he talks about giving, he talks about praying, he talks about fasting, he talks about our relationship with our possessions and things, our procurement, our treatment of things. He talks about worry. He he begins talking about all of the things that, that religious people are doing, all of the what's of our faith life. You guys know what those things are. And then he goes step by step in Matthew 6, and he begins to describe what happens when you start your faith from what. And it's kind of funny, and it's kind of tragic, and it's kind of comical, but, but his, uh, his bottom line is, if you start your faith life, your life journey from the what's, you'll end up with a disaster. Here's an example, Matthew 6, verse 2. He's talking about giving. Would anyone in here argue against giving to the needy? being a, a very good what? I mean, that's, that's a good thing to have in your life, right? Anyone want to argue that point? Like, no, giving to needy people, that's terrible. That'll make you have a bad life. Okay, good, because I'm going to have to kick you out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but right, it's a, good, it's a good what. It's a good what. It's a very good what. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, so when you give to the needy, if you just start with that what, without the why in mind, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received a reward in full. Do you get the picture Jesus is painting here? I mean, it's, it's kind of supposed to be hyperbolic and funny. Like, like these guys are, are giving to someone in need, and they call the heralds, the trumpeters over, and they're like, like, this guy's about to be generous. And everyone's like, oh, yes, yes, bravo, bravo. 
Right? That's not what giving's for. We know that. But you know people who are exactly like that. And they may be good Christian people. Why? Because they're starting with what? And if you start with what, even though you're doing something good, you'll get all messed up. He goes on a little bit later, and he talks about fasting. Verse 16. Now, maybe we don't do as much fasting. It's still a really valuable discipline for us. Uh, But he says this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Right? Uh, They're like, uh. People are like, what's wrong? And they're like, oh, nothing. I'm fasting. Right? And you're like, I'm pretty sure that's not what that's for. That's not what that's about. Right? To make people feel bad for you or to get sympathy or to make people think you're, you're holy or something by fasting. That's not what that's for. But if you start with what, Jesus says, if, if you start with what rather than why, you'll get all messed up on this stuff. And he goes, thing by thing, I'm not going to share it all with you. Over and over and says, in your life journey, if you are only mindful of the what's, the, the checklist, the to-dos that are scriptural, that are good things. But if you start with what, you will always end up in the wrong place if you don't know the why. And then at the end of the chapter, he finally gives us the why. And we're going to look at it today in Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. That we as people are so accustomed to the what's, to the how-to's, to the to-do lists, that it's going to be very hard for us to see the why, even though Jesus states it actually pretty clearly. Let's look. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is kind of all, he's, he's going to get there. But do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Isn't this a great scripture for a new year when we're obsessed with how we look, how we dress, how we feel, you know, the food that we're eating? It's a great reminder. And then Jesus goes on, he says, I want you to look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away food in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than than they are? He goes on, he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And then, and then why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. You know, they, don't, they don't work to get a clothing, clothing allowance so they can go to the store. They don't make their own clothes. And yet, and yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor, King Solomon, wise, wealthy king, was dressed like one of these simple flowers of the field. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the, for the pagans, the nations, the Gentiles run after these things. And your heavenly father, he knows you need that stuff. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, see, I bet that when most of us hear that, we focus in on the what's. Like, okay, don't worry, don't worry, got it, got it. Oh, don't chase after clothes and food. Yeah, because, yeah, I I, I got it, I got it. Um, You know, don't, don't, you know, like... Oh, do, do. Oh, seek first the kingdom. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. We get all focused on the what's. But do you hear the why? It's kind of hidden. It's a little tricky. I'll grant you that. But Matthew 6, verse 33, look at this again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What is Jesus saying? Why should you seek first the kingdom and its righteousness? Because that's what good Christians do. And God demands it. And that's obedience. And no. Jesus says, here's, here's the bottom line of this. Here's, here's the why. 
When, when you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus begins painting a picture of God's why for us. His why for us is that we would be people who would be whole and complete, not lacking anything that we need. That we would be people who have everything that we truly need in life, everything that really matters in life, that we would have it. And, and get this. God's why for us, his, his dream for us, is that we would have that stuff without worrying for it, without busting our tails for it, without, without hustling for it. That we would just have those things as a gift from our Father who provides. Starting to see God's why? If not, look here. Uh, John 10, 10. You know, we ask, why did Jesus come into the world? So he came into the world to die for us. No, that's the how. Jesus made his why really clear in John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And other places he says he came to die. I get it, but, but this is the why. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Do you hear God's why for you? The why for your faith? It's so that you might have life and have it abundantly. Again, not a life that you can choke down, a life that you can stomach, a life that you can live with, but, but, but truly an abundant, full Life. See, that's God's why for your entire faith life. And you've got to start there. And, and once you have that why clear, once you know that this is what God wants, God wants for me to live abundantly. He wants me to be full. He doesn't want me to have to worry and hustle for, for what I need, but, but he wants to give me the things that I need most. Then you can ask the other questions of, okay, well, how do I get that? Well, well hey, that's, that's through a relationship with Jesus. Through trusting him and what he did on the cross to be my sufficiency, to deal with all of my failures and all of my brokenness. That's how I get it, by, by trusting that, that even, though, even though I have got a sketchy past, or even though I still have a sketchy present, anyone want to admit to being sketchy with me here today? Right? I, I've got a sketchy present. Even though that's true, because of what Jesus has done and because what, what I can get through a relationship with him is, is he can look at me as I am and say, I've atoned for all of that. I've taken that all away. I don't see that in you. Instead, instead, I see something deeper in you. I see one who is mine. I see one whom I love. I see one who is worthy of my love, of the love of others, who is worthy of a really great life. And I'm, I'm going like, no way, Jesus. And I'm like, that's, that's not me. And he's going like, no, 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 you don't understand what I've done for you and what it means to be in a trust relationship with me. See, when you, when you understand the why of what God's trying to do, then you can embrace the how, and then you can get to the what's. And all the what's are the same. Like, Jesus is not saying in Matthew 6, like, don't pray, don't fast, don't give. Like, that's not what he's saying. But suddenly, when you start with the why and you go out, those things make sense. So giving isn't like, well, I better give or else. Or I better give if I want to be a good Christian. Or I better give out of guilt because God's given me so much. I better give back. Or I better pray because that's what people should do. No, no, no. Instead, you're like, you're like okay, start with the why and then think about the how. And, and, and now I'm going to give why? Because if God's telling me to do it, that must lead me to abundance somehow. Why? Because if I give, then this God who wants to provide everything I really need, he's going to provide for me. And as I get to provide for others and he uses me for that, he's going to provide for me. Why should I pray? Not because it's what good people do or because God demands it or it's his expectation. Why should I pray? Because in praying, I'm deepening this connection with Jesus. And that's my time to, to, to hear him say to me, like, Dion, I know you're struggling, but I love you. You're mine. I've atoned for your failures. 
You're mine. You belong to me. You're worthy of my love. You're worthy of the love of other people. You're worthy of a life that's better than, than what you're living now. That, that's where I hear that, right? See, all of these what's in our religious life, and this is Jesus' point, Matthew 6, they mean nothing if you don't start with why. Th- those what's can actually be detrimental. You can have the checklist exactly right. You can be doing all of the things in the right way. But if you don't have the right why, you will end up in the wrong place, blowing trumpets every time you do something good and you know, twisting your face. When You will end up in the wrong place if you don't start with why. In fact, I'll go as far as saying that, that to God, even if you have all the what's right, even if you're doing all of the things in the right way, if you don't have a clear why, it doesn't matter. None of the what's matter if you don't understand your why. So, so here at St. John, you know, we, we talk about what's. Um, we've got the one one fifteen six up here, and we say there are four things, four what's, that we think you should do in your faith life. That if you just focus on these four things, man, It'll be good. And so we talk about giving God one day a week in worship and rest, coming here, gathering with the body of Christ, observing the Sabbath. We talk about um, uh, being someone to another person in an intentional relationship. We talk about spending 15 minutes a day in a faith-building discipline. We talk about living the six other days in service to other people because that's the way we serve God. Those are all what's, and those are good what's. But if you start with those what's, if you miss the why, none of it matters. See, bigger than this, though, Beyond just faith life, let's talk about all of life because that's God's ultimately concern, ultimate concern. If you hope to have a life that, that you just, you know, not just that you can live with or, or stomach, but you can actually be inspired to live, and that doesn't mean it won't be difficult, and it doesn't mean that there'll be days that, that you'll be tired and you want to throw in the towel because that's just life, and that's why there's a heaven and an afterlife because that's when everything gets easy. But here it's never going to be easy. But, but what I'm saying is if you want a life that makes sense, that is coherent, if you want a life that matters, if you want some of this promised peace, some of this wholeness, some of this meaning that God promises, you have to start not with the what's. You'll never get there. You have to start with your why. And your why begins with God's why first for your life, that he wants you to have wholeness and abundance. But, but that's not all. See, you've got a very personal why. And it's not the same why that I have. It flows out of the same thing, but it's not the same why that I have. Because you're different. And I think that's what makes this so hard to discover our why. Because I can't copy yours. I can't just, oh, what did you write down? I'm going to do that too. It sounds good to me. No, no, no. That's not my why. But instead, I have to give myself over to trying to figure it out. Someone has once said, the deepest vocational question is not, what ought I do with my life? And isn't that the question we ask all the time to our little kids? Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a waitress and you know whatever I want to be a table washer as my one daughter said you know you're like I don't know what that does or if that pays but okay you know that's that's the question we ask and and through high school and college you you sit with a counselor and they're like well what do you what what are you what are you going to do with your life even that word vocation we've taken to mean job but it doesn't mean job it means calling see the deepest vocational question is not what ought I do with my life it's the more elemental and demanding question who am I what is my nature What is the why that God has sown into me when he created me? Or there's an old Hasidic uh, tale of Rabbi Zuzia, was his name. Uh, He was an old man, and uh, he said this. He said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not like Moses? Instead, they will ask me, why were you not Zuzia? You know, God doesn't want you to be like Moses. He wants you to be like the person he's created you to be. So today, I want to ask you, do you know your why? 
Do you know your why? Your core purpose? Your mission? The reason God put you here on this planet? I'll confess something to you. I don't know my why. <laughs> Hypocrite. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm trying. Uh, I've, I've been working on this for years now. I believe this is so important, but man, it's, it's tough. And that's the thing about self-discovery, about discovering what God has put into us, what, what God is dreaming for us. It doesn't happen in a message. Uh, it's probably not going to happen this afternoon. You can make strides on it this afternoon, but it's probably not all going to be figured out for you this afternoon. Self-discovery is a lifelong pursuit. But it's a pursuit, I believe, that you should start making a priority today. Because even though I don't have it all figured out yet, my why, here's what I'm, here's what I'm learning about my why. I'm getting closer, I think. See, what I know about my why, what I know about what I'm most passionate about, what makes my heart beat, what I love to do, is this. I believe my why has something to do with discovering and then sharing, discovering and then sharing the things that that bring life the most meaning and abundance, fullness, that bring our life the most wholeness, that that give us integrity, that, that make us whole, instead of broken, and bring us the most joy. I believe that my life has something to do, my why for my life is something to do with discovering and sharing with people the things that bring life the most wholeness, abundance, meaning, and joy. If you know me, that's what I live for. I'll, I, I'm the most boring conversationalist because I just want to talk about this stuff all the time. Like, I don't have anything, but that's, that, that's, that's me. That's what God's put into me. That's what gets me excited. Can you see the excitement? Don't make me spit anymore. You know, like, this is, this is what makes me excited to talk about this stuff. This weekend, this series, this is what makes me so excited. And so I get to do this in my job. That means one of my what's is probably pretty good. But even if this wasn't my job, this is still what I would be doing. I'm learning that, man, prioritizing that pursuit for the why, it is a, it is a game changer. And so for you today, as, as you prioritize in your life, as you think about all the different things you've got out there in that what circle and that are floating around, I'm just going to encourage you to, to begin to push back and make some room in this circle to figure out your why. To start today. And I'm going to send out some links later in th- later in the day on uh, Twitter and Facebook, some links that might be helpful to you. One is a mission statement builder. You know, mission statement builder, that's really close to figuring out your why. It can be really helpful for you. Or another one is a why statement uh, process from Simon Sinek. And uh, you can look at some of those things or find your own things. But, but if I were you today, as I think about my life for the new year, I would make this one of my top priorities to say, I have got to figure out the why for my life. God, why am I here? And I would pursue that more than anything else. But let me say one other thing as we close. I have a hunch that some of you sitting in this room today, um, you already know your why or you have a pretty good sense of it. And if that's you, if, if you're close, if, if you know it, I'm going to challenge you to do something really crazy, challenge you to do something really brave, uh, something that people in your life might not like, but man, I'm giving you permission. God wants you to do it. I'm going to challenge you to begin cleaning the slate of everything else that makes up your life, to begin to rethink the life that you're living today, to begin to clean the slate of all of those what's, and uh, you know, even moving into cleaning the slate of, of those how's. And again, I know people will be mad. They'll be disappointed. People will be like, you're messing with my life. And you're like, no, I'm messing with my life. 
Um, I'm, I'm seeking God. I'm trying to understand more about what he's created me to do and, and why I'm here and my overall purpose. And, and I'm just going to challenge you to begin to clean the slate of your life and, and begin to rebuild a life that doesn't start with the what's, doesn't start with people's expectations, but instead starts with the why, the very reason that you're here. And then begin to imagine what the how should look like from there and, and, and then what the what's should be there, but start with why. Because you can go on living the way you're living, right? Anyone want to drink that over there? Or you can begin to live a different kind of life, a life that you just won't be able to stomach, but a life that you will be inspired to live when you start with why.